Good morning. How's everybody doing? All right, good stuff. So good to see you all here today. You guys ready for the word? Amen. All right, well, I'm excited to share it with you today. Uh, we've been on a series these last couple of weeks entitled Amazing Stories. And how many of us know that stories really do have an impact, right? There's stories that we learned growing up, and they still to this day, you remember them. Um, but the Bible is the same way. It has stories. The only difference is that these stories are not fictional. They're actual, factual accounts. But these stories have an impact of, in our lives if we would take the time to consider them. So as we get started here real quick, I just want to show you what Scripture has to say about these stories. In Hebrews chapter 7, verses 30 to 40, I'm just going to read it. If you have your Bible, you can just follow us on the screen. It says this, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail to tell of uh, Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the, the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Let me just point your attention to something here. Scripture says that they did this all by faith. Simply by faith. And yet in the midst of faith, we can't face challenges. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. But watch what scripture goes on to say. It says that others were tortured, uh, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Verse 36. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom this world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. While they faced all these trials and mockings and scourgings and even death, that they received something greater. They had good testimony in the midst of challenges. How many of you know that you can face a challenge and still have peace? You can be confronted with difficult situations and still walk in a comfort and the strength of the Lord. You're not alone. You're not without recourse. You're not power you're not without the presence of God and verse 40 goes on to say God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us so in essence we should be looking to these stories not just as stories but as our story because they speak about our story Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 goes on to say this Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that speaks of a group of spectators, let us therefore lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so today, we're surrounded by a mass of witnesses, of spectators, Stories spoke something to our story. They were looking forward to our story. And so we should draw great encouragement from their story. Because while their story is amazing, they were looking 
forward to your amazing story. Look at what Matthew uh, chapter 13 verse 17 says. This is Jesus himself speaking. He says, For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and they did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. And so Jesus is speaking to the disciples here. What he's saying to them is, Hey, guys, those people of all that you've heard of, that you've been amazed at their stories and their, and their triumphs in faith, you know what? They were looking forward to seeing what you're seeing and hearing what you're hearing. And today, because Christ lives and is alive in us, his spirit dwells in us because we are now the children of God and nothing uh, comes in between us and God and we are the righteousness of God and we're established in Christ. The Bible tells us we now have something better. And so if you're looking at your story and maybe you're saying, well, you know, things don't look that great. Things don't feel that great. Things aren't necessarily turning out the way I want them to. Or maybe they are. Either way, just realize that your story is a great one. Get to know the author that penned your story. And so today we're going to be looking at another uh, instance in the Bible, a story of a woman that is referred to as the Shunammite woman. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Kings chapter 4, and we're going to be reading verses 8 through 11. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. And just to give you some context, you're going to hear about a guy named Elisha. And Elisha, in, back in his day, was the prophet of God. Now, that's important for us to understand in those days, they did not have the Spirit of God. The Spirit would come upon people, but He did not live within people. And so there were certain men that God would appoint certain times under His dispensation where He would, uh, he would endow them by His Spirit. He would speak to them, and they would speak to the people on His behalf. And they would perform miracles on the behalf of God. And so this is Elisha. Elisha, quote-unquote, is the man, so to speak. The man that God has appointed. And so he shows up in a town called Shunem. And that, that, met, that word Shunem there in the Hebrew speaks of a place of double rest. And so there's something special about what happens in this story. Let's pick up on verse 8 of 2 Kings chapter 4. It says this, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. And she persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. And so it will be that whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. And so, while the book of Hebrews does not mention this woman by name, stories are recorded within the pages of the Old Testament to serve as a great benefit to us. And so, here's what happens. Elijah, who's the, pro Elisha, who's the prophet, shows up and he comes to Shunem. And I want you to get a visual of what's going on here. Keeping in mind who Elisha is, who Elisha speaks for, and who Elisha acts, uh, 
according to whose power Elisha acts. He's coming through Shunem, and one day this woman sees Elisha, and she says, Hey, Elisha, why don't you come to my home? Please, come, sit, eat, let, let us feed you, let us tend to you. And so the Bible says that Elisha stopped there, and that this became a regular occurrence. And so basically what's going on is that Elisha would come and go. Notice that the Bible says that she noted that he would pass by. But she was not okay with Elisha simply passing by. Let's expand our vision for a minute. Elisha, in a sense, represents the Holy Spirit. Represents the presence of God. Represents the word of God. We can get a visual of that. And so here's this woman who notices the man of God coming and going. The word of God coming and going. The presence of God coming and going. The miracles of God coming and going. And she says, I'm not okay with it passing me by anymore. Now, I got good news for you. Because maybe you might feel like, well, God's passed me by. Maybe you might look at your life and say, well, God certainly passed me by. But if you are a child of God and you are alive in Christ, I want you to know that your story is better than her story. Because Christ now lives in you. God has not passed you by, and yet we can live as if he has. We can live as if his presence is no longer with us while it's still with us. And so this woman comes up with this uh, uh, grand idea. She lays out all the papers before her husband. And she goes, honey, I got a renovation project for us. She says, we're going to redo the house. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. <laughs> Babe, I'm telling you, we're going to add, we're, we're going to add, wait, you see that wall right there? We're going to throw some, some, some studs in there and we, we, we're going to put some, 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 uh, a brace there and, and we're going we're gonna to build this little cove out of the wall that's going to come out of put a bed there and a table there and we're going to put a, a, a little lampstand there where we do and it's going to be for this guy, Elisha. Amen. She, she conceived this renovation project but it had nothing to do with beautifying her home. It had everything to do with beautifying and accepting the beauty of the presence of God in her life. And so they build this, they, they build this and, and she says to her husband, before they build it, she says, "Hun, he's not just any man. He's a holy man. He's the prophet of God. He's the man of God. And so they build it. And the Bible says that Elijah, whenever he would come, he would turn in there. And so as we learned a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Annette uh, uh, referred to a scripture where she talked about how God rewards those that diligently seek him. Right? And that's what scripture says. God. God, God's blessing is upon his children, but he wants that to be made manifest in their life. And so in the midst of this, Elisha one day turns to his servant Gehazi. And he says, hey Gehazi, what can we do for this woman? She's been good to us. She's been kind to us. She tends to us. And so he says, what can we do for her? And so he sends his servant Gehazi to, to the Shunammite woman and the message is basically, would you like me to go and speak to the king on your behalf? And if you study it out in the Hebrew, what you'll find is that what he's literally saying to her is, would you like me to go and put in a good word for you with the king? But for a purpose, to elevate her status. 
to improve her life that much more. And she says, no, I'm fine amongst my people. And he says to her, would you like me to go and talk to the captain of the guard? In other words, the general of the armies of Israel. Would you like me to go talk to the general of the armies? And she says, no, I'm fine. And so Elisha turns to Gehazi and he says to him, Gehazi, surely there's something we can do. And Gehazi says, she's barren. She doesn't have children. And her husband is too old. Now, to truly appreciate this, we, we have to realize that in those times, for a woman to be without child was looked down upon. It was almost as if she was accursed. It was almost as if she had done something wrong and there's a reason why she couldn't have children. It was the greatest pride to a woman to have children. The more, the merrier. I know some of you look at me and going, no, keep that away from me. But in those days, that, that's what so here she is barren and without children and all of a sudden Elisha gets wind of the fact that she doesn't have any children he said call her over here and so the Shunammite woman the Bible says comes to the door of his room and he says to her surely by this time next year you will be with child you will be you will have a child and her response is oh Lord please don't say that. And what she's literally saying is this. Don't set me up for a disappointment. I'm not willing to accept the disappointment. And so, sure enough, the year passes by and this child that was promised to her is born. But then the story takes a drastic turn. Verses 18 through 20 tell us that... Um, one day, the child is now uh, grown in years, and he turned, and he's running to his father who's in the field with the reapers, those who were reaping in the, in the fields. And he runs to his father, and he says, my head, my head, my head. And so the father, the Bible says, turns to one of his servants and says, take him to his mother. And so the Bible says that these men carry his son to his mother and lay him on her knees. So we know that this was serious because they had to carry him. And so the Bible says that he laid on his mother's knees until noontime, and then he died. If you're taking notes, I want you to think about this big idea. The facts of life can't change the promises of God for your life. This woman had a promise. The fact was my son is dead the fact is for some of us my son is bugging out my children are acting crazy the fact is it doesn't look like we can make it the fact is like my history dictates a chance to do anything with my life the, the, the surroundings that I have the people that I'm around the family lineage that I come from, whatever it is, all these things dictate, I can't. But what do the promises of God say that you can? You know, I've learned over the years, after I got past all that religious spooky stuff, you know, after I got past of just blabbing it and grabbing it, right? It's, yes, faith speaks. But there are some that grow accustomed, myself included at one point, where it was just, if I just say it, 
it'll come to pass. It was like a hocus pocus trick. But there was no belief in the word of God. But I've learned since that I believe what the word says. And so because I believe what the word says, I seek the promises of God. And there are times when things will come our way and it, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. It's in those moments that I've learned, get a promise from God. What does God's word have to say? What do God's promises have to say? Because if I know what God's promises say, I know what I can hold on to. I can see something bigger. And so here we have this Shunammite woman. And her son is dead. Those are the facts. He is dead. Let's pick up in verse 21 and see what happens next. And so she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. And shut the door upon him and went out. And then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come back. And so, she, so he said, the husband, Why are you going to him today? It is neither a new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, It is well. And then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward and do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So here's what ends up happening here. While her husband and other and the others would have told her, Bury your son, she takes her son to the very place where she received the promise of God to begin with. Listen closely. The circumstances for the average person dictated... We have grief, we're in sorrow, we're hurting, and there's nothing inappropriate about that. Nothing wrong with that. But this woman, and, and also the circumstances called for, you know what, well, this, this is what it is, well, we, we got to bury him. And while the father could have, if the father had got wind of that, he would have said, they would have made preparations and all that, she simply responds this when the, fa when, when, when the father asks, why are you going to the man of God? He says to her, he assumes, She's going for some religious purpose. Oh, well, it's not even a new moon. It's not even a Sabbath. You're not even supposed to go to the man of God. Why are you going over there? And her response is this. It is well. You know what's interesting about that, that, those words there that she used? The word well there is the Hebrew word shalom. You know, now, you, 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 you might not be Jewish and neither am I. But let me give you some, some, some clarity as to what that word shalom means in the Hebrew. It means completeness. So here her son is dead. And she says, he's complete. Here her son is dead and she says, he's safe. Here her son is dead and she says, he's sound. Here her son is dead and she says, he's healthy. Here her son is dead and she says, he's prospering. Here her son is dead and everything's going wrong and she says, there's peace. Here her son is dead and she says, it's tranquil. Here her son is dead and she says, I'm content. You know why? Because this lady had a promise from God. The Bible takes, makes clear note that she was a notable woman, that she was a great woman. She was a woman of renown. And while it might have been because of where she lived and her people that she was fine with being, I believe that there was something greater about this woman. 
she held on to the promises of God. Here's a point that I want you to wrap your head around. While you face the facts, do like this woman did. Focus on his face. Listen, she was, she was intent. She was determined. I'm going back to the very place where I first had an encounter with God and I received the promise of God and, and hope came alive and my life turned around and those that once called me barren and cursed now call me full and blessed. Those that once looked down upon me now look up to me and say, look at her because she's blessed of the Lord. And so this woman had a, had a confidence in God and she focused on coming face with the man of God. It reminds me of a time many years ago when I was a youth pastor out in Middletown and I used to take this little back road um, that, would, uh, that would lead me to 211 to get to the highway to come this way um, on a regular basis. And on this day I was driving by myself for whatever reason my wife wasn't with me. But I'm in the car and I'm approaching this, this the, the, the T, you know, where the stop sign is and you got a two-way and I'm coming down this way. And as I'm approaching it, I see that there's a car that's turned slightly at an angle and stopped, and there's a motorcycle uh, thrown over, and it's leaning, um, and the, the, the front wheel is, it's kind of like the back end of the bike is towards the ditch, and the front end of the bike, the wheel is up and spinning, and, I, and as I'm approaching the stop sign, I see that there's a guy laying on the ground, one knee up, and he's just yelling at the top of his lungs, and then there's a, a, a lady from the other side towards him, and her car's parked off. And so as she's running, I, I say to myself, what do I do here? And she said, I'm going to pray. Now, but the thing is, I wasn't, in my mind, I wasn't going to sit in my car and pray for him and then make a right turn. In my mind, I'm getting out of my car. And so I get out of my car, and I approach the guy, and he's screaming at the top of lungs and this the, the guy that 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 was that had already got out the car that had his car angled is trying to talk to him and is trying to touch him and grab him and i'm telling him don't touch him and then this woman she just doesn't know what to do and she gets on her phone looking at this guy and i'm like look at me and he's yelling he's just and you could tell that it was serious because both his legs from the knee down they 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 looked like they were twisted so obviously there was some broken bones there. It was, a, it was a bad situation. And he's in pain. He's got his helmet on. And, and he's crying and everything. He's just shot. And I'm like, look at me. And he's just, he keeps going on. And then I just yelled at the guy. I said, look at me. And all of a sudden he looks at me. And I say to him, I don't know you from a hole in the wall. But in the name of Jesus, I speak peace to you right now. You are going to be just fine. I need you to relax right now. And I just speak the word over him. And I begin to pray. And all of a sudden, this guy, he's still got tears coming down his eyes. But he pulls his visor up from his helmet. And he's looking at me. And he's just intent upon me. And he just begins to breathe. And he goes, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Amen. Yes. I'm going to be okay. And I'm just, and, and, and the, the woman that's to my right, just kind of look at me. And her jaw's just kind of like hanging like. And the guy's just like, kind of like standing off to the side, all of a sudden I hear the sirens coming, the, the, the ambulance pulls up, the paramedics get out, and he's laying there, and I'm, and I'm holding his hand, and I'm saying to him, you're going to be fine, man, trust me, man. And he goes, I know, I know, I'm going to be good, thank you, thank you. And I, I wish I could tell you the rest of that story. But you know, when we get our focus off of the things that hurt, when we get our focus off of the momentary things that we perceive to be so grand, when we get our minds off of that and we see something bigger, 
it changes the circumstances. I'm not saying he was looking at me. But listen, I came with the only thing I the word of God. The word of God. This woman was intent upon coming face to face with the man of God. I want you to think about this. Imagine the circumstances. Imagine how difficult it could be. I don't even want to think about what it would be like to lose a son, a daughter. But that's how hurtful it could have been. And it was. And yet in the midst of this, she looks back to the place and she says, get me the donkey, the servant. She says to the servant, keep going. Go as fast as you can. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Don't stop unless I say, get me to the man of God. And so she's intent upon coming face to face with the very place where she received the word from God. And so the Bible tells us that Elisha sees her far off, right? And as she's approaching, he's attempting to discern. He's seeking from the Lord. Is something going on with this woman? And the Bible says that he, could, he, he, can, he couldn't discern it. And so he turns to Gehazi and he says, Gehazi, I can't discern what's going on with her. Go over there and ask her these questions. Is it well with your husband? Is it well with you? Is it well with the child? Here's what he's saying. Is it shalom with the child? Is it shalom with your husband? Is it shalom with you? And here's her response. It is well. It is well. We learn something valuable from this woman. That while you face the facts, while you face the facts, you got to fight your feelings. Let me just be very clear on something. Feelings and faith are polar opposites. They are complete opposites. Just think to a time where your feelings overrode your faith. How'd that work for you? <laughs> it didn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yet we can rely so much on feelings that we set aside the truth of God's word. You know what that's a sign of? That's a sign of immaturity. Babies go according to their feelings. Isn't it interesting when a baby's hungry, what does it do? It's, it's all based upon feeling. And ladies and gentlemen, we are children of God. We are supernatural beings, newly created in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. You are not what you used to be, and we do not relate to God according to feelings. Now, feelings are a part of our makeup. That's the truth. Feelings, they serve a purpose. If you feel angry, have you ever stopped to think about, why am I feeling angry? What is this telling me about me? What is this telling me about how I'm perceiving things? You know, it's interesting. The other day I was just reading the word, and it talks about how we should not let our, uh, the, the, the night pass, the day go by, without us reconciling. Right? And then it goes on to say this in, in verse 25. It goes on to say this about uh, anger. It says, lest you give opportunity to the enemy. Can I share this with you? If you're still angry at someone, at something, at some place, at whatever, 
you're in partnership with the enemy. If you're still holding on to anger, you're in partnership with the enemy. You are cooperating with Satan. The word says that. I don't say that. The word reveals that. So we can't go by feelings. We can't be moved by our feelings. We have to operate according to faith. She was unwilling to be dominated by her emotions. Listen to her response. It is well. It is well. I can't... For me to be carrying my son, dead, on a donkey, I'm sitting on this donkey, and every step of the way, I'm heading towards this mount where the man of God is, and I'm looking at my dead son. Imagine what she was facing, what she was feeling, but she kept telling herself, it is well. You know why? Because the promise of God was greater than her hurt. Her response reveals that her hope was greater than her hurt. Her hope was greater than her hurt. Her hope was greater than her hurt. Ladies and gentlemen, hope is greater than your hurt. Your hope is greater than your challenges. Because God does not fail. And more importantly, his word does not fail. Faith in God's word unleashes the faithfulness of God in your life. Elisha looks at, he, he says to Gehazi, Gehazi, go and lay my staff on him. And she says, no, 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 no. I didn't get the promise from Gehazi. God gave me the promise through you. And so she says, I'm not leaving here till you come with me to where my son is. And so she uh, Elijah goes with her, and the Bible says that uh, when he asked her, and, and I kind of touched on this already, but when he asked her, how are you, how's your son, how's your husband, all the time she's saying, it is well. And there's a reason why. There's something that we need to draw from this, that while you face the facts of life, we got to do like she have to remember God's faithfulness. When you're facing the facts, whatever the facts are, we're all facing facts of life. We're all facing them. Every last, no one is exempt. I'm not exempt. I, no one is exempt from the facts of life. While we face the facts, remember God's faithfulness. Check out Psalm 34 verses 1 through 8. That's what David says. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Notice that he says at all times. I'll praise, I'm going to praise God in the good times. I'm going to praise God in the bad times. I'm going to praise God in the in-between time. I'm going to praise God all the time. All there means all the time. But there's a reason why. He says his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Verse 2 says, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. 
This poor man cried, and the Lord, man, the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around them that fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Now listen closely to this. I love verse 3. Because in verse 1, David says, I will praise the Lord at all times. And there are times when it doesn't feel like you just want to praise. There are times when the last thing we want to do is praise. But in verses 2 and 3, David begins to talk about how he sought the Lord. How he went towards the Lord. How he was seeking the Lord. And then he goes on to say in verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord. Let us exalt him, his name together. I want to give you a visual. Can I borrow you, brother? Can I borrow you? I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. This is a big dude right here, right? See these shoulders, man? This dude is big, right? All right. Now, from over there, I'm going I'm to need you. From over there, you could tell he's tall, right? But can you see past him? Can you see past him, Bobby? Yeah? Now, do me a favor. Stand up. Stand up. And I want you to take step by step slowly towards him. Come, come on out here. And take a step by step sl slowly towards him. Walk towards him. What's happening as you walk towards him? You see what? Okay, you can see him better. Keep walking towards him. Is he smaller or bigger as you get near to him? He gets bigger from, from the vantage point of where you were to where he is. I want you to catch a vision of this. Thank you, guys. I want you to think about this. David says, I drew near to the Lord. I sought the Lord. And so what David is saying is this. When he magnified the Lord, he's not talking about a magnifying glass. He says, no, I drew closer. And as you draw closer, now here's the thing, he lives in you, but many times we let this mind deviate and we have to take this mind and redirect it and turn it back to God. And here's what David is saying, I drew closer to the, door, to the Lord, I drew near to the Lord, and as he did so, guess what happens? God gets bigger and bigger. The promises of God seem greater and greater. And so while you're still looking at the facts of life, guess who's in the midst of those facts, God's promises, God's presence, God's word, God's faithfulness. Some of us need to simply just get back to the basics. This woman was facing some serious facts, but in the midst of it, she had a promise. And that promise drew her to God's faithfulness. And no matter what she was facing, her response was, it is well. The Bible goes on to tell us through the rest of the story that Elisha goes back to where this young man is, where she left him. And that he raises this kid from the dead. But before he raised him from the dead, he told the mother, you stay out there. And he says, Gehazi, you stay out there and close the door. He raises this kid from the dead. Then he opens the door. And the Bible says that he presents this child to his mother alive. And that she worships. 
The point of this whole story is simply this. While the facts of life are real, the promises of God don't change because of them. Get a hold of the promises of God. Maybe you've never looked to see what the Word of God promises you. We should begin to do that. Man, you can, you can go anywhere in the Bible, but I would encourage you to look. Just, just look at the promises that Jesus made to the disciples. I have this thing sometimes. Some people might think it's weird, but every now and then when worry tries to creep in, I just pick my head up. And you know what I look for? Birds. You know why I look for birds? Because Jesus said this, consider the birds of the air. They don't have a storehouse. They don't have somewhere to draw from. And yet, every single day, I provide for them. And then he says this, are you of not much more value than they? I just look up and I look for birds. Whenever I see that sign that you see on the highway that says deer, you know what I think of? As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul thirsts after thee. I remind myself, Lord, I'm seeking you and you alone. The promises of God, they're unfailing. As a matter of fact, scripture says this, that the promises of God, here's his response to his promises, are yes and amen. You see a promise from God in his word and remind yourself of this. Here's God's answer to that promise. You might be wondering, is that promise true for me? Here's what God says. Yes. Here's what he also says. Amen. You know what that means? So be it unto you. Get a hold of the promise of God. Get a hold of what his word has to say towards you. It'll turn your life around.